As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, colleague, and good friend, Zach Milner. Zach, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Uh, pretty tired today, but, but doing good. Yeah, I feel that. It has been, it has been a long day so far, but we're chilling, man. We're hanging in there. Um, so yeah, what are we here to do today? I know we're, we're, we're here for a little bit of a quicker pod, but we want to hit on, a, on quite a few guys. So well, I'll, I'll yeah. turn it over to you before we get started. Yeah, today we're just going to do a quick pod about, what, five, six, seven guys. That's about it. Most of them, like they're all well-known guys. No one's really under the radar today. And then next week we're going to do a mailbag. So we're going to put out a tweet 
for everyone just to send us some questions, send it to our DMs, respond to the tweet, however you want, and, and we'll record the mailbag um, Q&A or whatever next next week. Perfect. Well, yeah, man. Uh, what guy do you want to start with? Let's start with let's start with Jairus Walker. So I'll start off here. I think that the convo around him is going to be tough this year. And I'm honestly not sure it's going to change too much because at least in the competitive games with him, his role has been pretty disappointing. He's for the most part just standing in the corner, will cut baseline when has got when a teammate gets into paint, he'll do stuff in transition, which is still fine. Like he he's not too bad at doing that, and he's a really good defender as well. But for the people who have those top seven, top eight, top ten hopes for him, that's not that's not what you want to see. So I think his role's been disappointing. And I would say the optimistic look on it be okay. They're going to still have some blowout games or play some bad teams to where he'll get the opportunity um, to have more of a role on offense and they'll maybe experiment more with him. But in their toughest games this year so far, I think he's sort of been like in the backseat a lot and has not done a lot. Where do you stand there? I agree. Um, I think the moments when he has gotten opportunities, it hasn't looked awesome either. Like he's had some <laughs> other than like the drives into a floater. Um, I think we really haven't seen a ton of really great stuff with him with the ball in his hands. Um, and again, part of that is just how he's being positioned, but also like this is a team that's trying to win a national title this year. This is not a team that is here to develop and, a guy. And that's the big thing, right? Like we can't really criticize the staff too much either exactly. because they have Marcus Sasser, who's one of the best players in the country. They have Tremont Mark and Jamal Shen. Jawan Roberts has been incredibly good this year. Something that I want to look into more is, is see how their usage are when they're on the floor together for when Jawan Roberts is off the floor to see if, if Jairus is doing more stuff there. I want to look into that deeper. But they have so many talented players on their team. And for him, he's a freshman. These other guys are upperclassmen. And like you said, they're trying to win a national championship. So it's not like you can criticize the staff either for how they're using him. I do think, and we'll, we'll discuss this, there's probably a few things that they can do to help the team win while also helping him um, as well. But yeah, I mean, they're just a really good team. And that's what happens when you have a freshman um, on a on a team with upperclassmen who are proven as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And they're, I mean, this without mentioning too, like their bench has been pretty good. Like it's not like their bench is bad. Like Reggie Chaney is one of the best bench bigs in the country. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of versatility here. Um, in terms of the things that I think we that could happen that would make him look better, you've mentioned this a ton on Twitter and just in, in our talking to you, but like using him as a role man, I would really like to see, or even just as a screener more. Um, anything that gets him going towards the rim uh, without having to think, you know, I think would be ideal for him. Yeah, and, and going off of that, that's sort of why I want to go and look um, – how he's used with Jawan Roberts off the floor versus on the floor. Cause I think that could have an impact of if he's going to get used there more often or not possibly. So that's something that I want to look into. Um, I think they've also run him. They haven't done it often at all, but there has been a few times where he's just, there's been some screens where he's ran off of whether it's just in the pain or just to get like a better positioning at the block and just getting him moving without the ball a little bit more often. So where maybe he can catch the ball with the momentum already, what it would help him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I'm trying to think where else to go with this. Uh, so you feel good about the defense right now, just to clarify. Yeah, I think the defense has been good. Um, 
up until the last couple of games, I don't think it was like as a standout as I thought it could have been. But I actually do think the last couple of games have been pretty good from him. Um, I'm trying to remember what's the the game I watched yesterday. It was one of their last two. It, It was it was either St. Mary's or the. I think they played someone after St. Mary's, right? It was. I'm checking right now. Yeah, North Florida. It was. Ah. I think it was the North 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 Florida game, though. Also, where like he was switching on to like three or four people in the same possession, sliding his feet with them, showing the versatility, and then also like had a nice block at the rim. So I think the last couple of games has been better. There wasn't bad early, but just has stood out more. But yeah, I feel good with the defense. I just want to see more on offense, and I, I still think there's more to talk about on offense. But what, what have you thought about the defense so far? Yeah, I agree. I think I need to watch the St. Mary's game still, and I'm really excited to watch uh, Houston versus Alabama because that's just going to be, A, a very fun college basketball matchup, but also a really good prospect matchup too. Um, Defensively, I think you see a lot of the intrigue. There are really good flashes. I think he just feels tight a lot, and I think you see that on either end, but like I think that's just more about his actual feel on the defensive end. Like there's even when he still has like really good moments in recovery i think like it can be like a half second late sometimes um like just in reaction in general and i think like that will improve honestly like i think that's just been my biggest thing with him this year is his overall what his feel has been and i think to me he looks a lot more like he did his junior year than his senior year in high school one thing i want to bring up i think it was the saint mary's game but it looked like he was put in a position to like just tap tag the roller from the weak side a lot of times in that game. And I, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, I think he actually like did a really, really good job doing that. It's simple stuff, but it was nice to see from him. Um, but yeah, that's something that stood out to me in that game as well. Okay. Well, I'm excited to dive into that and see what that looks like. Do you have anything else you want to hit on with him? Yeah. So like we said, he, he has done a good job. Like, so in the corners, he has, shown those occasional shooting flashes i think the volume is still low but i wouldn't say people should be discouraged from the shooting that we've seen so far it's been at least an encouraging start not something where i'm like oh i'm bought into the shot but he's shooting 37 38 from three low volume but he's hitting those corner shots or even um above the breakup a bit want to see more there but that along with his like I mentioned, when his teammates are getting into the paint, whether it's out of the pick and roll or whatever, he's he has a good understanding of when to cut from the corner um, baseline so they can dump it off to him and he gets a dunk. He's done that a few times. So obviously this not, this isn't stuff that you want to see from a top eight, top 10 guy. You want to see more than that. But there is still some stuff that he's shown on offense, um, been good in transition. But yeah, I, I, I do think the optimistic view would be just you're you're hoping to see or the hopeful view would be you're hoping to see them blow teams out and he gets a bit more of uh, a chance i think they actually made it a point and it it was a saint mary's game so they weren't even supposed to win by a lot it wasn't a a team they blew out but early in the saint mary's game you'll see it as well it looked like they were trying to give him more opportunities to do stuff Mm-hmm. it did not work out well yeah. um they went away from that as the game went on but yeah like you said he has gotten some chances it hasn't gone that well um so i, I do think even if he does get more chances i'm not 100 percent sure i'm confident in it something with him is i'm a little bit worried that people have maybe too high of expectations for him from an offensive projection standpoint and it could be somewhat similar to 
to the Patrick Williams offensive upside. Like people viewed Pat Will's offensive upside as a prospect differently. Some viewed it as, oh, he can do some like stuff off the catch. And some people thought he can do a lot more than just that. Um, and I, I think with Jarris, he, he he probably can't. I think the off the catch stuff is still there and the upside stuff. I wouldn't say it's like something he can do a lot, but I, I'm not too intrigued with him doing too much with the ball in his hands consistently um what wouldn't rule it out um but I'm just not optimistic there but one last thing I wanted to bring up is, is you brought you brought up how he gets to his floaters um he's done that something that I, I really have not liked though is he is settling for a lot of floaters like even when he's every time he's attacking off the catch or even trying to take someone to the basket when he's in isolation which hasn't happened often but it has happened is he gets to the paint and instead of trying to go through someone to to finish at the rim he's taking a a fadeaway shot or a floater leaning sideways so he's avoiding contact when he has the body type to actually should hopefully be able to drive through players especially at the college level yeah and i think part of what plays in with just the feel in general is like it doesn't feel like he plays as big as he is a lot mm-hmm. of the, a lot of the time and that's something i like to see change and i think like to me the biggest idea of him is a developing as a shooter even more getting more volume and getting more of those screening and rolling actions like we talked about because there are real like playmaking reps in in what he did at img and i think the, the way to get that out is hopefully through more role and screening opportunities um and yeah, I think again, so he's going to be one of the more interesting guys just in this class in general, in terms of how do we project this out? What does this look like? Uh, there's going to be a lot of hypotheticals and also I think just general having to go back and and how you feel about priors. Yeah. And and one thing back to the role stuff, and we talked about it on, on the first podcast that we did is he, the decision-making wasn't always the best, but he made quick decisions. And that's something that we both liked prior to college and if he catches the ball on the roll, you might be able to see that a little bit more often as well. So I, yeah. I, I do hope we get to see that. And another thing that we brought up on the first pod is we talked about if the offensive upside on ball stuff didn't work out, is there another role for him to be still v- really valuable? And we both said, yeah, there is. He just needs to be, he's not being used in that opportunity now, but like we said, it's tough for a team like Houston who's trying to win to their number one priority is not to develop him. It's to win a championship. Yep. 100%. So are you ready to talk about Julian Strother now? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, Julian Strother and Gonzaga as a whole um, have just not really been having the season that I think a lot of people were hoping or expecting from them, um, at least as high as what their initial rankings were maybe projecting them to be. Like they've still been a good squad. They've played a pretty difficult schedule to start off. but. Um, it's been a little bit of a, a tough year for them. And then with Strother, like on the context of being a college player, I think Strother's having a good year in terms of what he was maybe going to be as a prospect. This has not been a banner year for what I think a lot of people were hoping for. Yeah. And I, I thought about this the other day a lot, and I honestly think it's a little bit, it, it's true. I agree with that. But I think it's also, this has to do with the roster construction. And yeah, I, I think definitely. he he has gotten the opportunity to show more than he did last year. And that was the hope for him to take a big jump. And he hasn't looked that great showing 
more perimeter skills this year, which does speak to his limitations. But I do think overall, we're not really like no one's talking about how he's shooting, I think, 44.4% from three this year. And he was at 36 and a half percent last year. He's all he's up almost 8% shooting from three this year. And the sell for him was always a big wing shooter, right? You wanted to see the other stuff, but the sell for him was always centered around the shot. I think the one of the reasons why it still seems like a disappointing year from him, not just because of the perimeter skills, because the shooting volume has actually been around the same as it was last year. Um, I think it might even be a little bit lower per like 40 minutes than it was last year. So if he's not shooting as much, it doesn't seem like he's making as many shots or all that kind of stuff because it mm-hmm. talks like around other people. But I think that can come down to the fact that their guard play is just so much worse than it was last year. Their guards haven't really been able to create that many good looks for, for their other players. And if you had Andrew Nembhard on this team next to him and he's shooting, like I'm pretty sure he'd be shooting more threes and, and, if he's hitting him at this rate, like obviously it's all hypotheticals, but I do think the guard play has played a factor into Definitely. how many, how, how many good looks he's been able to get this year, which could talk to the volume, not being as high as you want to some extent. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And it's an interesting thing about talking in what roles look like at the next level. Um, because I think last year, obviously like Strother had, um, he was 19% usage. He's at 22% this year. And that chasm feels a lot deeper than 3%. Um, like last year, I'm trying to look up what he shot on twos because I know it was pretty solid last year. Yeah, he shot 66% on twos last year, 70% his freshman year, shooting 39.6% this year. I think part of that is small sample size, but also like a lot of it is because he's creating more. Like he's being asked to, okay, drive more, finish more on your own. And a lot of it is like it's pull-up twos. It's not a uh, super efficient stuff. Like he's not going to do the play finisher stuff that he did at a high level last year by virtue of playing off of Andrew Nemhard and just better playmakers in his first two years. And that's exactly like you're mentioning too. Like it's been like, they really don't have a true point guard right now. Um, like Hickman is trying his best, but he, everything is out of shooting gravity for him. And he doesn't get a lot of deep touches. The finishing hasn't been there inside the arc. Hunter Salas isn't just not really ready at that level yet. Um, and, uh, and like, just to counter too, like Rashir Bolton's dealing with the exact same thing this year. Like they're asking him to create more with the ball in his hands. And it's not like he's not capable of it, but like, okay, instead of being a 50, 40 guy, like they're like, okay, well I'm down to like 44, 38, because I'm having to do a lot more without being set up in the same way. Um, so I think that's been interesting to know. And even too, like, uh, just like I, I do think it has been a little bit concerning, just like kind of the lack of scoring craft um, outside of like there there's like the occasional floaters. Um, but outside of that, it's been just kind of threes or bust. Yeah. And that's why all of what we're talking about isn't to really excuse his play, really, because him not being able to step up more does speak to his limitations. Right. Yeah. It still speak to his limitations of what you want at the next level. But something to remember is the context around him. If he's with another guard who can get him better looks, he can maybe shoot more threes. And if he's shooting at this level at that size, that's still a valuable player to have. And maybe he will be able to go back to that lesser role where he can maybe attack closeout still and, and get to his floater. Cause I actually do like his floater. Um, yeah, he had, he had been good in transition in the past. And I was looking at this uh, 30 minutes ago or something, but 
Gonzaga's transition numbers this year compared to the last two are just so crazy. To like so this year they're at 18% frequency. The previous two years was 21.9 and 21.8. So they're down almost 4% frequency in transition. And then the last two years were 1.2 points per possession, 1.17 points per possession, and they're at 0.93 points per possession this year. So like just everything has just the, the whole team just looks worse. That probably comes back to not having Nemhard, and then also Jalen Suggs a couple of years ago was so good at pushing the pace, helped them a lot. Also think losing Chet um, has hurt their defense, which also hurts their opportunities to get out in transition, and Chet was also this good scoring in transition as well. So all of this stuff comes together to why it's hurt Gonzaga, which is why we've seen them have a couple, like they haven't looked as good this year. They're still a really good team, obviously. They still have a really good offense. It's just not to the level that we've seen before, and they have their their flaws on that end more than they had before. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, how have you felt about his, his defense just in general? I think the defense hasn't looked much different from last year. Um, it's something that I probably want to look into a little bit more as the season goes on and maybe go back and rewatch some games, but that's honestly not the best thing that it hasn't looked much different from last year. Cause something that I wanted to see this year was improvement on like it was show perimeter skills and improve on the defensive end along to go with um, just keep on showing the shooting. Mm-hmm. So the, the defense hasn't been much better. I don't think it's been worse really, but the defense yep. has been much better and the perimeter skills hasn't been great. So that that's the unfortunate part, but I do think the shot has looked to where you want it to be. Even if the volume isn't some insane volume, uh, I think the shot has looked solid. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the shooting is always like I think that's always going to be a huge intrigue for him. But I, I, I completely agree on the shot just not looking. I mean the the defense just not really yeah looking much. And he improved. needs to bring and he needs to bring other stuff to the table, right? Like yeah. there are other guys. He still might be one of the better wing shooters in the class. Um, but it's like what does but, that mean without everything else on the side too? Exactly, you have to be able to bring other things to the table, especially if you're talking about him as like a first round kind of guy. If you're talking about him as a mid-second kind of guy or an undrafted kind of guy, I think the shot itself might be enough just because of that size and shooting is intriguing. But if you want to have that first-round conversation, he has to bring other stuff to the table. Otherwise, you can just find other guys at that size pretty much who can shoot. Definitely. Um, do you want to hear anything else with him? Um, No, I think that's good. I think overall it's just good to remember that there is, I think with Jairus and with him, there's so much to think about with these prospects when looking at them through like an evaluation perspective. Sometimes they don't have the best surrounding pieces to make them optimize. Sometimes they're not put in the role you want to see them in. So it's just something to, to take into account when, um, when evaluating prospects pretty much. Definitely. Um, well, yeah, I am prepared to talk about, Somebody, oh man, dude, this is, I've been waiting for this one. Let's talk about Terrence Shannon Jr. and Illinois uh, as a whole, because they, A, like this team, it's funny because you and I talked about Illinois in the first pod and we were like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how this is going to look, how this is going to work. They've, they've become they've one of my really favorite good. teams to watch. They've, they've become one so of my favorite horrible. teams. They're yeah. so fun. Um, first of all, of course, massive shout out since your Harris. He plays some defense, man. Um, <laughs> St. Vincent St. Mary's product. He's a ways away from being a prospect. I think that he's got legitimate intrigue and upside, but it's been cool to see him like 
get a niche and a role out of just playing really fucking hard, um, which is cool. I always love seeing that. Um, legitimately changed the course of a game because he came in and just pressed 94 feet for like five minutes and uh, helped force three steals. So fun that stuff. That was the, the UCLA game or? Yes, the UCLA yeah, game. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always said a top 10 team can't break a press. Uh, so yeah, that's. <laughs> it's really crazy how teams can't break presses or, or play against the zone sometimes. It's, it's really something to watch. Especially for a team that just plays so slow too. That was like. <laughs> Oh, that yeah. was funny. Um, well, yeah, I mean, TSJ, just to run off some numbers really quick. Um, TSJ has always been like a interesting guy, like a legitimate prospect. Um, but this is like everything that I think we really wanted to see this year is happening, which has been very cool. But just, again, just numbers. So last year in Texas Tech, um, 10 points per game, roughly three rebounds, two assists this year. 19 points per game, six boards, three assists, a steal, uh, turning over the ball twice a game. But he also has the highest usage of his career by a decent margin. He's up to 27% right now. Um, man, uh, also worth noting, too, best he's ever shot on twos in his career. Um, and I think a lot of that's just getting to the rim more. Um and there's okay. I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. Career high One, free throw rate too. Getting to the yeah. getting getting to the rim. Getting to the free throw line. Taking the most threes of his career. Um, he's taking six and a half a game right now at 38. percent This has been awesome, man. Like, it's been very fun. Yeah. Also, true shootings above 60 for the first time in his career. There's just a lot of interesting stuff that you've seen from him. And and like you said, with the two point stuff and. I think you can really see when he when he gets the ball in it, whether it's a rebound or not, he is looking to push the pace and he is quick when he wants to get out in transition. And, and I think that the finishing around the rim sometimes when there's traffic has not been the best, um, but he, he's been able to get there and, and, and he's drawn fouls, all that kind of stuff. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, though, about the shot is... The last few games has not been good shooting with him. He had that eight for nine game against Virginia um, without that game. And you, I know you can't really just take away a full game. It, it's definitely a part of the sample size, but yeah. in the other eight games, he's actually 28.6% from three 14 for 49 from three that, that one game has brought him up to 37.9% of the year. Obviously we still have a full season to see where the shot's going to land he did shoot 38% from three last year was really good on catch and shoots last year as well. So I'm not all that worried that the other eight games have not been good shooting really, but it is something to note that most of his, I, I think I, yeah, most of his makes have just come in that game. Um, something to know. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Um, I will say like, I mean, I, and you said the same, like I'm still, a, even with the, this, like I'm a, I'm a believer in a shot. And I think the biggest thing for me is like he's quick in his release so much and his shot prep is faster. And the um, confidence. Yeah, and the confidence, confidence is, is huge. Better. Like he took he took 15 threes against Syracuse, which that's yeah. a whole other debate. But yeah, I don't I, don't I will know say it's, it's but yeah, I, I will say it is Syracuse as well. And that just they they will get you to shoot at times as well. And and I will say the last couple of games, um he has had some pretty bad misses. I've seen like I think maybe two or three air balls. Like it hasn't been like just unlucky shooting as well there's been some pretty bad misses so it is something to keep an eye on we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves for sure but overall he has looked 
really good still. And I think if the shot can just maintain a 35% and above, I'm 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 pretty bought in just because of everything else that he can bring. If if he has that confidence and that volume with an average shot, I think that's a good player. I think there is just what he's he's also been able to do some nice stuff without the ball. There was just one play in the Maryland game where he set up his guy um to come off a handoff. He he started walking down to set him up before he came off the handoff, create a lot of space there. Um gets the ball and off the handoff at the elbow and just posterizes people at the rim. Um, but just like, it was a great play from the dunk, but his ability to create space off the ball before getting the ball is what I like to see there. Um, so I think he's done some interesting stuff without the ball in his hands as well. In addition to the last few games when the shot hasn't been falling, he's been crashing the offensive glass and just finding other ways to impact the game, which is what I've liked. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, he I think what's been really fun with him, I also feel like his feel for the game has just improved. Not that I ever thought he was a bad fuel guy, but I think he's better at sniffing out advantages now. Um, he just feels more assertive in general, like he can dribble with his his right hand now, um, which has been huge. It's not amazing, but like it's enough where you he he's not just getting you know, completely stonewalled, which has been huge. And the driving has been really, really impressive, Um, which has been why he's getting to the free throw line so much, which is, I mean, he's still like, he's only shooting 45% at the rim this year currently, Um, which I, I mean, do you have any worries about the, the actual finishing? Um, So like I said earlier, when he's been, when he was attacking and transition, all that kind of stuff, I don't think the finishing in traffic has been good. Um. I'm not too optimistic from what it's looked like this year, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm out on him also, right? It's something that I just want to, like we said, we're noting it. We'll keep an eye on it as the year goes on. I think he's done a good job drawing fouls. I think he's actually been fouled on some takes to the rim where he's missed, where it hasn't been called. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I do think the finishing can improve, and I think that is an important part um, of his game as well. But it's not something where I'm, too concerned at the moment but it is something that i'm watching yeah definitely because especially if you remove dunks he's like around 40 percent from the field so it does make it a little bit more difficult but i do think overall it's more just about what he's unlocked by being a more aggressive shooter and a quicker shooter and uh by tightening up his dribble because now the playmaking is like what I think has popped in a way that mm-hmm. it's not just flashes. Like it's been very consistent. Like he's making good reads. He's making, I wouldn't necessarily call him proactive, but like he's really able to take advantage of the defense by virtue of being a supreme athlete getting downhill. And especially when you think about like, obviously he's not going to be a crazy on ball guy in the NBA, but now I think you can look at this and be like, I can see him doing like secondary handling reps. I can right. see and, him. And doing that's where the things. finishing comes in, right? If, if the finishing yeah. improves, if the finishing improves to where you want it to be, that plus the shooting with everything else that he brings is a really, really good prospect. And yeah. sometimes you get these older players who still are really good prospects that shouldn't be overlooked just because they are on the older end. And he is one of those players, I think, who has that chance to to really be that good if he can improve on these other areas that we've talked about with the finishing and, and we'll see where the shooting lines up. Yeah. Like I would legit, I do you want to talk about the defense first or projection? Because I would say like, he's comfortably in the first round for me right now with what he's yeah. done. I, I'm cool with that as well. Um, I, I've 
was saying that with the shot, I want to just make sure the shot's good. But what we've seen this year, plus last year, even with like taking out the one good game this year, I still have confidence in it, at least for Mm -hmm. now. I, I will say for the, for the most part, I'm confident with him in the first round, how high in the first round I'm still to be determined, yeah. but I, I really don't think top 20 is something that's out of the question or some wild take. I think that's very reasonable and, and possible depending on how the rest of the season goes. But I do think he has that in his realm of possibilities. Yeah, no, see, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he'd be between 20 and 30 for me right now. And it's just, it's going to depend how the rest of the year goes. Um, and that's without even mentioning the defense. Cause like we, like, like, I think, I don't think that the defense has been as amazing as it typically is not that he I'd say amazing is the wrong way to put it, but like, it's more like you see all the prospect stuff. That's really exciting. My, I'm as a defender. I don't think he's been quite as locked in as he has been in prior years. Um, but I still think he's been very good and done yeah. a lot of the things that you want to see. And also it's been nice to see him play well outside of a no middle scheme. Shout out to our friend PD Webb. Um, and his fantastic piece because there have been guys like uh, watching Kevin McCuller defend outside of no middle has been funny. Cause like you have, there have been like some times this year where he's like done a no middle rotation, even though they're not playing no middle. Um, and I don't really think we've seen that all that much with Terrence this year. So, and one thing too, like he looks big, man. Like he looks way bigger than what he's listed right now. Like he's six, six two ten is what he's listed on basketball reference. And he's like, Looks like a nice little 230, 235. So yeah, and, and with him, one thing I want to go back on the offensive side again, like you said, mm-hmm. still with with the with the attacking and dribbling with his right, gotten better, still not great. But I do think it is nice to see. And he has a nice little shifty cross he's added to his game as yes. well. Where it's it's always left to right. Sometimes it gets him into a pull up as well. I don't really think I've seen it with his right to left. So that that's still something that like a scouting report will show when you're just defending him, um, or it should show at least. But yeah, it's just everything has, has opened up his game, and it would be really cool to see the finishing come come through because he really can't be a, a dope player. And yeah, back to the defense, like you were saying, is. Yeah, it, it may might not have, have be might not have been as good as it has been in the past, but it's still been really good. And it's not something where I'm too worried of it. Like, oh, it's not as good as last year. I'm concerned. No, I'm not really worried about his defense. I feel pretty confident in his defense from what we've seen from him over the last few years. Yeah. No, I agree. I think what's so fun is like just his versatility overall. Like he covers ground so well. Um, he's good, obviously very good at switching. Um, and what's been fun, like this Illinois team switches a lot, like their high switchability. I think what's been like one of my favorite parts about this season, like I didn't expect, I thought Illinois would be fine defensively. They've been really good defensively. Like it's not just like a, a, a whiff. I think like their half court offense has been more where I have questions than anything else. But yeah, the defense has been really fun. Um, he's, it's been cool too, because just like you get to see his versatility. I think especially in that, um, in that game against UCLA you saw his ability to just kind of guard up and down and be effective so that has been fun yeah I agree and also I think like how I mentioned with him attacking the off like crashing the offensive blast um the last few games when the shot wasn't falling I think the defense has looked a little bit better in those games as well so it's just still nice to see him find ways to impact the game even when the shot isn't falling I just always find that nice and prospects. Yeah. All right. Well, let's now talk 
about the guy I called the best prospect on the team at the beginning of the year. Sorry, are you changing that? Is, is it, that's the question. I think I am. Uh, because, well, I did like, I thought Terrence was going to be good this year. I didn't, I like, he, I thought he would be a, a big, an all Big Ten guy. I didn't think he was going to be like a national player of the year candidate. So to, it, it has changed a little bit. I still think t- that Coleman Hawkins has had a very nice season, though. Um, yeah, either one could end up being the better prospect. It's not yeah. like one is clearly better than the other, I think, also. Sure. But but yeah, I, I remember the first pod you brought that up, and, and now it's it's up in the air again. That's what you get for yeah. turning your back on. That's exactly what I get. Um, <laughs> he He's so fascinating to me, man. He's a really fun player. Um, So just for so, so read off his stats for those who haven't really kept up. Averaging 10 points, six boards, four assists, and 2.7 stocks. Um, I Can we actually start with his defense? Go ahead. All you. How do you feel about him as a defender? Because I don't know how to feel about him as a defender sometimes. Yeah, I think the defense has sort of been up and down. Not something where I have the strongest opinion at the moment. I I, yeah. I think I, I was more, not that I was more optimistic, but I thought, it would stand out to me more than it has so far, but maybe that's because I really haven't sat down and say, okay, I'm only going to watch him on the floor not watch anyone else and just dive into that. Um, so I, I will say maybe there's just a time when I go back and do my rewatches or one of the upcoming games, I just focus on him and not even worry about Terrence Shannon Jr. or anyone else on the court. And maybe it stands out more then. Um, but regardless, I still think he's, he's, a, he's a smart player on both ends. I, I do feel confident yeah. saying that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I what's fun is like I really like his ability to, to generate chaos is really good. The weak side room protection is really good. Um, he's just very active. My biggest thing just tends to be like I don't think that his feet are all that quick. Um, and he has such a high base, so it's just hard for him to really be a guy who's going to stay in front of people. So like I think he's very good at being an off-ball player and you know playing close to the screen and stuff, but also like he's not a five. So it's just I think that it would take a really creative defense to to incorporate him, I feel like. Um, but again, like I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. That's just kind of where I'm at right now. I was hoping maybe this year we would like I think the biggest thing for him has just been getting better as an athlete the last couple of years. Um, he took like a nice little leap as an athlete last year. I think roughly the same for me this year in my opinion um but yeah i mean that's that's stuff that i want to see play out and i think like seeing him get stronger would be huge too but i that's that's really all i have defensively i just you know i want to make sure we're on the same page about that yeah it's something that i don't want to say too strong of takes of just because i haven't sat down and focus on that and nothing else yeah. um it, it's just how i go through my process early in the year it's it's tough when there's no, that's fair. sometimes you see games where it's it's him versus texas or him versus ucla or whatever and there's five six prospects on the floor at times and it's not the <laughs> yeah. most not yeah. the most efficient to watch the same play six or seven times right now um once the the pre-draft process once the season's over i always go back and do full rewatches or just during the season i'll, I'll go ahead and and okay the, here's a couple games where i'm just going to watch him and no one else but early season is sometimes not what i do with everyone um but to the offensive side he is so fascinating there's yes. there's so many things to, to talk about with him i think my biggest thing with him um 
is going to be the three-point volume yep. and where Let's that see. ends up being. I think that will play a big part of his NBA success if, if it can get to where I want it to be. I think that's something to note as the, the three-point volume has looked all right these last few games, I want to say. I think he's been at, yeah, the last the last couple of games, he shot five against Texas and six against Maryland. Um, it's better. I think he should be at about at five every game, to be honest. I'd like to see that at least. But the thing about that is you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, okay, it's cool, it's going up. You watch the game, and he's still passing up catch-and-shoot opportunities, and he's shooting those shots off the dribble. He seems more comfortable shooting um, threes off the dribble, or he, he's quicker to pull the trigger when he's off the dribble than when he's spotting up. Sort of similar to how Franz, um, Franz is, honestly. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it like that. I totally agree on the volume in general. Like he does pass up a lot of shots that I wish he wouldn't. Like you tweeted this the other day. Like I wish he took six or seven threes a game. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think mainly because a I want to see how good of a shooter he is. Like he's shooting thirty four and a half percent right now. Um, had never shot above thirty percent uh, in his first two years. Um, I like I think that the shot looks fine for the most part. But again, like you're mentioning, I I just want to see it on higher volume. Um. And also yeah, here, by here, sorry to interrupt for a second, no, but just to just to give some numbers, I looked at the the last couple of games. He's actually taken so against Texas and Maryland, nine nine dribble shots or nine dribble jumpers and four catch and shoots. Um, so he he has been shooting the ball off the dribble more often recently. And I just pulled up Franz's numbers, and on the year, Franz has forty seven attempts um, on catch and shoot opportunities. 59 attempts from three, from three, um, 59 attempts from three on off the dribble shots. And I will say some of that has to do with the ball being in his hands and rolling everything, but he's also only taken, this is all from synergy. He's only taken 16 um, guarded cat and shoot shots this year on the whole season. I still think he has passed up some um, cat and shoot opportunities this year. It was something that happened in Michigan, the thing with Franz is his his driving has been so good and, and intriguing to where I think most of the success has come from from the prospect stuff, not the um, shot being more aggressive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think obviously there are very different play style and, and differences between him and Coleman Hawkins. I just think the the shooting volume thing is pretty similar um, in terms of catch and shoot versus uh, off the dribble shots, at, no, least, at th- least from at least from recently. No, I think that makes sense. I totally see that. Um, I. And so well, let's talk about the driving. How do you because or maybe okay, think of it like this. He's averaging four assists per game, 2.7 turnovers, because he's largely playing as like the hub of the offense. Um, and it's been very fun. I think that the passing is almost better than those numbers indicate. Mm-hmm. Um, because like part of some of the turnovers are just like miscommunications with teammate, like teammates, like he almost like thinks a little bit too far ahead sometimes and will like like it's a lot of like he's throwing a pocket pass or um trying to hit a cutter and they're like you know out of step or not quite there so that that happens but um what's been interesting is like how okay so how have you felt about like his dho takes like stuff like that and what that's looked like well so before i go to that to the passing for a second i do think there's also been times where he's he's thrown the pass and his his teammate isn't ready to catch the ball yeah or or they will like go to the corner while he thinks they're going to cut. So there's been some miscommunication as well, but I do think the passing is probably better than the numbers, which the numbers are still solid. Um, 
His 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 DHO takes in driving in general, I'm still up in the air about honestly. I, I think that he's had some really nice takes, but um I'm not really sure how translatable I think it actually is to the next level. And I think there has been some times where he's had smaller players on him, so he's been able to use his size, and that's good. He, he has decent size. He's been able to use his size to like spin back to the middle and finish, right? Um, but I, I'm not 100% sure how confident I am in what he has shown with that stuff to translate to the next level. And, and that's something, along with the shooting volume, I want to figure out a little bit more. But I, I still think the shooting volume is more important than than this being translatable for me, at least. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think it's been interesting because um, I don't feel like he has great deceleration right now. Um, and he's also not really a super above the rim guy. Um, so it just like it can be an awkward blend. Like if he doesn't create real separation off of the the DHO fake, then he like like, yes, he's getting to the rim. But it's like I don't super trust the ball to go into the net more often than not. Um, and he's also not like drawing fouls at a prolific rate or anything, because like, again, just by being, by being more below the rim, like, I think if he was able to really develop some craft encounters, then maybe there's something there, but that feels a ways away off right now. Did, did you happen to watch unrelated to this, what we were just talking about, but did you happen to watch the Syracuse game or no? Not yet. I have it downloaded. I have okay, so, so many games downloaded to watch. <laughs> so one thing that stood out in that game is he was still really, really good in that game. Um, and, and having someone who's just as smart as him um, to go against his zone is very fun to watch because yeah. he can just pick it apart. But there was a time where like in the second half, I think Syracuse started to understand, oh, he's not really looking at the basket when he catches the ball in the middle against us. And there was one play that stands out to me specifically. I mean, there were multiple on the perimeter where he just didn't take shots. Um, but there was one play where he caught the ball in the paint in the midair and before he even landed and made his pass or whatever, the Syracuse player just tried jumping the passing lane that he was going to pass because they were just playing him to pass and not playing him to look at the basket and shoot. He ended up making the pass right away and just still got through. And I think they scored. They got something out of it. But I do want to see, it just comes back to the passiveness, aggressiveness, questions with him. If if defenses are guarding you and and, and playing you as you are going to pass, how are you going to take advantage of that? And I really want to see him take advantage of that because yeah. on drives, they think he's going to pass. They're going to say, okay, show us you can finish before we play the passes. Um, if he is getting closed out on the perimeter, they'll be like, okay, before we close out on you so you can drive by us and, and kick it out or something or make a quick swing pass, show us that you can make your shot first. So I want us to know how he is going to be able to do that because it does seem like there have been times where defenses are like, oh, he is going to look to pass. Um, let's make him shoot first. And, and if he's not going to shoot, we'll have an advantage of maybe jumping a passing lane. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you see that a lot in terms of like, um, it's not like a one-to-one, but like last night the um, during the Kings-Bucks game, uh, the Bucks were just like, okay, we know everything that you want to get to is through handoffs. So what if we just deny all of your handoffs and force you to play in the middle and say, okay, like take shots, take floaters, figure it out. And the Kings really struggle with that. So I think that's something that I'm interested to see with Illinois throughout the year and particularly for Coleman, because like, I think he is walking a very fine line right now with how little he is scoring for how much he is relied on as a passer.
Yeah. And, and this whole question of playing someone to pass for score is, is something that I actually thought about with Halliburton as a prospect. And I thought that when he drive to the rim teams, even his rookie year, I thought teams could have done a better job doing it, honestly, but they would always assume that he was going to try to finish himself instead of pass it out. I think his improved pull-up game and all of that has made it to where you can't play him that way anymore. But it was a question that I had with Halliburton is, oh, okay, he just, he's always looking to pass because he was looking to pass a lot in college and he still looks to pass a lot, honestly, now. But in his rookie year as well, when he never really proved it, he was a great scorer that he is now. So it's just something to, to keep in mind. And yeah, players can improve or outdo it like Halliburton has and, and great for him. But I, I want to see how, how Coleman Hawkins adjusts. And obviously they're very different players, but still like a similar scenario. Yeah, 100%. Well, do you have anything else you want to hit on, on Coleman? Um, no, I think I'm good with him. I mean, just the, the whole team's just fun to watch. So I'm going to continue to enjoy watching them. But I think with, with him and Terrence, I think we touched on a lot of points. Cool. Um, well, if you are good, I know we have Keontae George listed next. I'll be completely honest. I haven't gotten to as much Baylor as I would have liked to. Um, so we can talk about him if you would still like to. Um, but I'd, if we could, do you want to move to Nick Smith instead and we can do Baylor next week? Yeah, sure. We, we can, we can move Keontae to next week. Uh, I'll give a quick shout out to his recent game though. Um, just because I thought he, he's looked really good. We won't, I won't go too into depth, but mm-hmm. it's just cool to see how he's able to play both on and off the ball. I think this recent game was one of his better on ball games in, in terms of, of getting to the basket and scoring. He, he got off to a slow start, but the end of the game, he just did a lot of really fun things on the ball. His shot making is cool. I think throughout the year, his his finishing hasn't been or not finishing, but the ability to get to the rim and get good looks hasn't been great. I thought it looked better in this game. Um, so yeah, this recent one was good, but yeah, I like his ability to play both on and off the ball, spot it up, come off screens, run the pick and roll. All this stuff is intriguing with him, but we'll go more into him next week. Definitely. Well, well yeah, let's talk about Arkansas, who Nick Smith is back. He's played three games now, come uh, come off the bench for the first, but now he's back in the starting lineup. Um, I want to kick it to you first. What are How are you feeling about Arkansas and what this is looking like? Yeah, so the first Nick Smith game, if I remember correctly, I think he was in like six minutes, right? I don't think like, – he came off the bench. I think he played one stint in the first yeah. half, and I don't yeah, think he, he ever came back in. Yeah, game. don't think he ever came back in in the second half. So don't really take too much into account. I mean, for, for all these games, right, he's just coming back from an injury. It's something to remember. Um, but in these last two games where he's gotten extended minutes, first of all, I was really interested to see how him and Anthony Black look together on the floor. And it was really intriguing in the first part of the game. Um, who did they play to? Was it San Jose State? Yeah, they played San, San Jose yeah. State and then UNC Greensboro. Yeah, so in, in, the, in the San Jose State game, it was really intriguing how they used him. They were running. They had Anthony Black on the ball a lot early on, and they would run Nick Smith on the weeks, like running off screens and, and keep stuff going on over there where he had a three-off movement or they were just worried about him on one side. So they got a nice pick and roll pass to the, to the rim. So it was cool to see that. And then uh, San Jose state went into a one, three, one actually. And when that happened, Anthony Black's usage totally changed. They yep. started to run more through Nick Smith a little bit. Um, 
Arkansas's offense as a whole struggled a decent amount. And then Nick Smith is like, okay, let me get to my spot in the mid-range. He had a nice little flash, got a nice shot there, attacked off the catch, got to his floater, was able to show off his, his touch in the mid-range there. I think that I'm going to stay into looking how those two look on the floor together. But overall with Nick Smith, I think he's been about what you'd expect on the offensive end. Maybe the passing hasn't shown as much as I expected. And um, that's about it. I think he touch looks really good. Shot looks solid. Um, I think the shot. Uh, what is he shooting? Do you have the numbers in front of you right now? Uh, he is four of 30. 10. So yeah, yeah, 40% from three. If you exclude the first game. Gotcha. Yeah, I have him at, at 36.4 with the first game. But anyways, yeah, I think the shot is better than it has been. But the mid-range and the touch looks good on the floaters. Um, he's not creating the best looks at the basket or even on the floaters. They're still tough floaters. And that was a question for him heading into the season is, okay, he has really good touch, but is he going to have to consistently rely on tough finishes and tough floaters, or is he going to be able to mix in some nice looks in there? Don't think we've really seen any of the nice looks mixed in there yet. So that's something to keep an eye on. But that was as expected for now. Mm-hmm. Um, on the defensive end, it has been quite rough. It is rem- uh, something to remember. He's just come back from an injury, missed practices, hasn't played for a bit. Um, so maybe he's just getting back into the rhythm of things. But he has been getting caught on screens or losing his guy before um, running off screens. This the 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 off ball defense has not been good. His his footwork on the perimeter hasn't been good. Um, he has been able to use his tools to like recover and, and block some shots from behind or on a drive move his feet and block a shot in the paint. So there has been some nice flashes, and you can see if he puts stuff together, he has what it takes to be a good defender. But it has been a rough start on the defensive end for him. Yeah, and well, looking at the the Greensboro game too, he got to the free throw line eleven times. How did that feel in terms of like actual replicability? Um, trying to think, I would say like obviously not not all of them. I'd say like half of those were good, um, okay. but it wasn't it wasn't something that was like oh he's doing such a good job drawing fouls in this yeah. game is is how I would take away from that game. But they just they really struggled on offense in that game and they really needed him to step up. And he did not that he was like, he wasn't even the most efficient in that game. Um, but he, he, he did step up and they, they, they needed it, especially with, um, Brazil going down, unfortunately in that game. And and that's going to make the offense so much more difficult to figure out. And I wanted yeah. to test that with you as well. Cause I have some, um, thoughts about how they can go about it, but, They've lost, like, he was the one guy, which I don't think people were fully respecting his shot, but they were still respecting it to an extent with with Brazil on Mm -hmm. on pick and pops or on the perimeter. Now they don't even have that. So it's going to be really tough, I think, for them in terms of spacing, even even more than it already was. Yeah. um, I don't know how they counter that. Um, I I mean, like, I think this is inherently tied in the question. What's up with Jordan Walsh? His role has really like it was already small and now it's like oh he played nine minutes the other day yeah just Uh. to just just for everyone to to realize like the last the last five games for jordan walsh so this starts this starts with the creighton game in maui 36 game or 36 minutes against creighton 32 against san diego state 
20 against Troy, 17 against San Jose State, and then eight against UNC Greensboro. And he only played uh, four and a half minutes or five minutes after Trevon Brazil went out. And that was with still seven and a half minutes left in the first half. So it's not like he got more minutes once the injury happened. Um, I think they're going to need him to step up and they're going to have to try work through whatever's going on. But it, it, it's been a really rough start for him. And not that he's been bad on defense. He's he's having an impact on defense. But I think he's just been really hard to, to play on offense to where they already have offensive questions, right, with spacing. It's It's tough to play him on offense at the moment. Yeah, and I think what makes it tough too is like like we've talked about with just kind of the awkwardness of having him and Ant Black together is like okay, well, the like the the first thing that I could look at and say like okay, well, yeah, we know he's not getting guarded from three, but he can handle the ball. He has real playmaking chops. What if we just really try and push the pace and let him run the offense? Ant Black's doing that already and really thriving at that. So, exactly. uh, what does that mean then? Like, how do you how do you make that work and? I just don't know how you fit him in. Like, unless you just tell him, okay, take every three, but a, he's not wired to do that. C he's not a good shooter right now. Um, so and that's the problem, right? Because in the second half of the recent game against UNC Greensboro, um, he sh- took a shot. Um, they, they, they completely left him open on a baseline out of bounds. They, they left him open on the wing. He missed a three. And right after that, uh, he also goes to the bench. The next dead ball, he goes to the bench. And to be fair, the possession before, he did try to attack from the corner and he lost his handle. So maybe that had to do with it as well. But the, you you see the call for the bench after the miss three. But if you're going to the bench after a miss three, it's tough to keep the confidence to keep shooting, especially with him who's already passed up open shots. So there's, there's definitely a confidence issue going on, it seems like. Um, but that mixed with not being a good shooter and playing off the ball just makes it really, really tough. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm a, I don't know what the answer is. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on how would you, how, how would you, how you do, geez, how you would go about working on this for, for Jordan Walsh or Arkansas as a team, both. Um, so aside, like, ignoring Jordan Walsh for a second, Arkansas as a team, what I, I want to see, I, I hope to see, is I'm interested to know if they can try use rookie counsel as a screener or and as a role guy in sort of what Brazil did at times, right? You can see if he can bring that and, and it takes away um him on the perimeter who who is good attacking off the catch, even though he's not a great three-point shooter. But if you're able to get him rolling you're able to get him more involved because he's actually not being as in, not been as involved in the half court offense. Now that Nick Smith is back with Anthony black as well. So it, it gets a way for him to be involved. And I think if he has a runway, like I think the Kai Mitchell has been all right, mm-hmm. but I think if rookie council has a runway, he's going to be so much better because Mikai Mitchell can catch it and go up. But if he has anyone stepping over to help on the roll or he has to make a move, it's not going well. Ricky Council, I think if he has a runway or he has to make a, a move against someone or dribble or make a decision, he might be able to. This all obviously depends on who else is on the floor with them. And the spacing could be really tough to where they never even get good looks because where is Makai Mitchell going to be if he's role, if, if Council's going to the basket? Or if Makai Mitchell's not on the floor, who's playing the big or is Jordan Walsh on there? 
So there's a lot of questions that need to be figured out. I do yeah. not think it's an easy thing to solve whatsoever with this roster, but I think they need to at least experiment with it. Like, I don't think there's much that can go. It, it can't get much worse if you experiment with this. So I, I think you got to try it. And if it doesn't work, then you go away from it. But I, I want to see them try that. Yeah. What's just for reference. Uh, if, if Ant Black shot falls back down to earth, which feels real, really possible. Like he's shooting 41%, but three yeah. per game. They have two shooters and one of them is out in Trevor Brazil. Like Nick Smith is the only player who we know on this team is an above average shooter. Um, and even then that might not hold up. So like, yikes. Space. The good thing. Yeah. The good, the good thing with Anthony black is that even if the shot does fall back, down a little bit which it probably will like you said 40.7 from three 11 for 27 on the year he's actually 47 percent on catch and shoot threes eight for 17 mm -hmm. on the year um obviously there probably will be some regression coming in but it does seem like he is not hurting the spacing of the offense too much and i think that's important at least even if the shot does come down a little bit as long as he's getting closeouts and and they're not helping off of him that's all you can ask for from him at the moment um but yeah, it's 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 a really really tough roster, especially without Brazil now. That they'll have to figure out um, how how to go about it. Yeah, I don't really know what the answer is, but I am uh, I'm certainly excited to see what uh, they try and go to because, yeah. I mean, I a I like I I imagine like they're going to have to try and work in Jordan Walsh. Like they can't just point, not play him. Yeah, yeah. Th at this point they have to. But I also have no idea what that's going to look like. Um, and they have some decent games coming up. Like they play Oklahoma, who they're they're. I mean, they're seven and two right now. They haven't played the toughest schedule, but that'll be a, an important it, it, like they need the log games. Bradley's a good team. They're really good defensively, too. Um, and then they get into SEC play real fast after that. So, yeah. So I think with that stuff is is that sort of where like the Bradley and then they have UNC Asheville and Oklahoma yeah. these next three games before conference play starts is is sort of where you want to see them experiment a little I'd say right yeah. hopefully hopefully they're able to get some kind of lead against Bradley and UNC Asheville to where they can be like okay we have 15 20 point cushion Let's try a few things out. Or maybe they try it from the jump, honestly. I wouldn't be against that either. But if they do have this lead, I really, really want to see them experiment with some stuff because, like you said, conference play is, is right around the corner and they're going to have to figure stuff out. And it's not an easy thing to deal with. So you need the time. Yeah. No, exactly. And uh, we're going to be following it closely without question. Um, well, Zach, did you? I know you had some shout outs you wanted to get to at the end. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. I don't want to talk about that much, but Ethan Morton for Purdue has looked really fun to watch in my in my couple games of watching. Doesn't look like an NBA prospect at the moment. He doesn't really do too much scoring or anything, but he's just such an incredibly smart player. Where there was one one play, I think it was the Duke game, where he's going to set a screen on Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach calls out a switch and he realizes that. So he goes to adjust where he's setting the screen on Mark Mitchell, 
which lets Braden Smith come off the screen. Mark Mitchell is not able to recover, and he gets to lay up at the rim. Just a lot of smart stuff with him. Every time I watch him, he does something smart. So it's always cool to watch. Um, from an NBA prospect perspective, not much right now. Maybe yep. if the shot starts to fall, um, then he's like a, a two-way slash summer league guy next year. Um, he, he's only a junior now, so like hopefully just the shot comes around and, and he – becomes a good shooter making a few threes a game and, and is a smart defender and all that kind of stuff for his, his senior year. Who knows? Um, but he's been fun to watch when I, when I watch Purdue, I think Omari Moore on San Jose state has been quite intriguing, had a really solid game against Arkansas, which we just talked about with Arkansas. And he showed just shows the ability, decent size can handle the ball can get to the rim. Just someone to keep an eye out for. And then Marquette as a team has been, really fun to watch this year and i think they're quite good um with with them i'm not sure like how not entirely sure how good they are but they've really like they lost to purdue Purdue by five who's really good lost to wisconsin by three in overtime mississippi state by three only three losses all by five or less um and i think they can might change their their starting lineup to get a better lineup out there as well but they're they're five players of Tyler Colet, Cam Jones, David Joplin, Olivia Maxis Prosper, and Oso Igodaro. Those five have been really fun to watch this year. And I've just they're just they've just been fun to watch. And I enjoy watching Marquette as a team and, and the Baylor game. They destroyed Baylor in that game. And it was it was something else. Um so yeah, I would just keep an eye on those guys. But yeah, those those are the shout-outs I wanted to. Do you have any? Uh no, just on on Bryce Sensible watch. He's shooting almost 50 40 84 and he still only has four assists on the year. <laughs> so it's just uh what a funny player. Um but legitimately good player, but yeah, it's so it, it, that's just been wild to watch. Um no, the only real shout I have is shout out Yukon 10 and 0. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. this team is really damn good. Like they just I mean, Florida's pretty average this year. Um, but they do have real talent. So it was impressive to to see what they did last night. I think they won by just about 20. Um, like this team is just kind of firing on all, all cylinders and they look like a real national title threat this year. Right. Um, which has been impressive because they're wor- like, they're good on both sides of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. so just wanted to shout them out because so, I don't yeah. think a lot of people expected this. Yeah. So before we go, I have a few games to look forward to. If you have any, if you want to bring them up, if you, yeah. So this Saturday is going to be absolutely ridiculous. I honestly haven't even gone through every game on Saturday to write them all down because there are, I I have just from like going through like, Oh, when's the next time I want to watch this team play and they're all the same day. So I just know this Saturday is ridiculous. We obviously get Houston, Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma. um, But another smaller schools that i want to watch is we get drake versus richmond which is tucker devries versus tyler burton that should be a lot of fun to watch we get san jose state and santa clara which is amari moore versus brandon pajemski another really fun one to watch i'm looking forward to nc state versus miami turk smith and then jordan miller has looked solid this year Mm -hmm. um those are the, the the five that i have written down and i haven't even gone through the full day of schedule yet but I'll I'll let Mark say some as well. But yeah, Saturday's well, going to be crazy. We also get two of the low light games of the year. Um, Georgetown and Syracuse are on national television. Uh, which Jesus Christ, you'll be watching um, that? No, I will not be watching that. I probably will, but no. Uh, 
that's just an embarrassing game um, to have on national TV. And then we get for the actual worst team in Power Five, Louisville and Florida State play on ACC Network, a combined one in eighteen um, or one in seventeen. Yeah, those two plus Cal are, are yeah, all Cal. are all rough to watch. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that's I would fun. say, yeah, I'd say with uh, we don't have another playback scheduled yet. We've talked about maybe doing one Saturday. We'll still be in touch. And if we do, we'll, we'll tweet it out. But we enjoyed doing our playback last week. Thanks for everyone who tuned in and joined us. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be sure to tweet out another one. And look out for the uh, mailback tweet and, and sending questions. We're, we're looking forward to that one. 100%. Well, I am looking forward to it. We also forgot to mention Tennessee and Maryland play on Sunday, which should be a good game. There's yeah, yeah. Sunday is like almost as jam-packed as Saturday is. I know they have Notre Dame Marquette as well, which I want to watch. Um to get JJ Starling and versus Marquette should be a fun one. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, Zach, this is a blast to everyone listening. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.